The Three Great Virtues Three Essays by Ralph Waldo Emerson Section 7 Friendship Part 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Friendship Part Two The other element of friendship is tenderness. We are holden to men by every sort of tie, by blood, by pride, by fear, by hope, by lucre, by lust, by hate, by admiration, by every circumstance and badge and trifle. But we can scarce believe that so much character can subsist in another as to draw us by love. Can another be so blessed and we so pure that we can offer him tenderness? When a man becomes dear to me and I have touched the goal of fortune, I find very little written directly to the heart of this matter in books, and yet I have one text which I cannot choose but remember. My author says, quote, I offer myself faintly and bluntly to those who I effectually am, and tender myself least to him to whom I am the most devoted. I wish that friendship should have feet, as well as eyes and eloquence. It must plant itself on the ground before it vaults over the moon. I wish it to be a little of a citizen before it is quite a cherub. We chide the citizen because he makes love a commodity. It is an exchange of gifts, of useful loans. It is a good neighbor. It watches with the sick. It holds the pall at the funeral, and quite loses sight of the delicacies and nobility of the relation. But though we cannot find the God under this disguise of a subtler, yet on the other hand, we cannot forgive the poet if he spins his thread too fine and does not substantiate his romance by the municipal virtues of justice, punctuality, fidelity, and pity. I have the prostitution of the name of friendship to signify modish and worldly alliances. I much prefer the company of ploughboys and tin peddlers to the silken and perfumed amity which celebrates its days of encounter by a frivolous display, by rides in a curricle and dinners at the best taverns. The end of friendship is a commerce the most strictly and homely that can be joined more strict than any of which we have experienced. 
it is for aid and comfort through all the relations and passages of life and death it is fit for serene days and graceful gifts and country rambles but also for rough roads and hard fare shipwreck poverty and persecution it keeps company with the sallies of the wit and the trances of religion we are to dignify to each other the daily needs and offices of man's life and embellish it by courage wisdom and unity it should never fall into something usual and settled but should be alert and inventive and add rhyme and reason to what was drudgery friendship may be said to require natures so rare and costly each so well tempered and so happily adapted and withal so circumstanced open parens for even in that particular a poet says love demands that the parties are altogether paired and parens that its satisfaction can very seldom be assured it cannot subsist in its perfection say some of those who are learned in this warm lore of the heart betwixt more than two i am not quite so strict in my terms perhaps because i have never known so high a fellowship as others i please my imagination more with a circle of godlike men and women variously related to each other and between whom subsists a lofty intelligence but i find this law of one to one preemptory from conversation which is the practice and consummation of friendship do not mix waters too much the best mix as ill as good and bad you shall have very useful and cheering discourses at several times with two several men but let all three of you come together and you shall not have one new and hearty word two may talk and one may hear but three cannot take part in a conversation of the most sincere and searching sort in good company there is never such discourse between two across the table as takes place when you leave them alone in good company the individuals merge their egotism into a social soul exactly coextensive with the several consciousnesses there present no partialities of friend to friend no fondness of brother to sister of wife to husband are there pertinent but quite otherwise only he may then speak who can sail on the common thought of the party and not poorly limited to his own 
Now this conversation, which good sense demands, destroys the high freedom of great conversation, which requires an absolute running of two souls into one. No two men but being left alone with each other enter into simpler relations. Yet it is affinity that determines which two shall converse. Unrelated men give little joy to each other, will never suspect the latent powers of each. We talk sometimes of a great talent for conversation, as if it were a permanent property in some individuals. Conversation is an evanescent relation, no more. A man is reputed to have thought and eloquence. He cannot, for all that, say a word to his cousin or his uncle. They accuse his silence with as much reason as they would blame the insignificance of a dial in the shade. In the sun it will mark the hour. Among those who enjoy his thought, he will regain his tongue. Friendship requires that rare mean betwixt likeness and unlikeness that picks each with the presence of power and of consent in the other party. Let me be alone to the end of the world rather than that my friend should overstep by a word or a look his real sympathy. I am equally balked by antagonism and by compliance. Let him not cease an instant to be himself. The only joy I have in his being mine is that the not mine is mine. I hated where I looked for a manly furtherance or at least a manly resistance to find a mush of concession. Better be a nettle in the side of your friend than his echo. The condition with which friendship demands is ability to do without it. That high office requires great and sublime parts. There must be very two, before there can be very one. Let it be an alliance of two large, formidable natures, mutually beheld, mutually feared, before yet they recognize the deep identity which, between these disparities, unites them. He only is fit for this society who is magnanimous, who is sure that greatness and goodness are always economy, who is not swift to intermeddle with his fortunes. Let him not intermeddle with this. Leave to the diamond its ages to grow, nor expect to accelerate the births of the eternal. 
friendship demands a religious treatment we talk of choosing our friends but friends are self-elected reverence is a great part of it treat your friend as a spectacle of course he has merits that are not yours and that you cannot honor if you must needs hold him close to your person stand aside give those merits room let them mount and expand are you the friend of your friend's buttons or of his thought to a great heart he will still be a stranger in a thousand particulars that he may come near to the holiest ground leave it to girls and boys to regard a friend as property and to suck a short and all-confounding pleasure instead of the noblest benefit let us buy our inheritance to this guild by a long probation why should we desecrate noble and beautiful souls by intruding on them why insist on rash personal relations with your friend why go to his house or know his mother and brother and sisters why be visited by him at your own are these things material to our covenant leave this touching and clawing let him be to me a spirit a message a thought a sincerity a glance from him i want but not news nor pottage i can get politics and chat and neighborly conveniences from cheaper companions should not the society of my friend be to me poetic pure universal and great as nature itself ought i to feel that our tie is profane in comparison with yonder bar of cloud that sleeps on the horizon or that clump of waving grass that divides the brook let us not vilify but raise it to that standard the great defying eye that scornful beauty of his mane and action do not pick yourself on reducing but rather fortify and enhance worship his superiorities wish him not less by a thought but hoard and tell them all guard him as thy counterpart let him be to thee forever a sort of beautiful enemy untamable devoutly revered and not a trivial conveniency to be soon outgrown and cast aside the hues of opal the light of the diamond are not to be seen if the eye is too near to my friend i write a letter and from him i receive a letter that seems to you a little it suffices me it is a spiritual gift worthy of him to give and of me to receive 
it profanes nobody. In these warm lines the heart will trust itself, as it will not to the tongue, and pour out the prophecy of a godlier existence than all the annals of heroism have yet made good. Respect so far the holy laws of this fellowship as not to prejudice its perfect flower by your impatience for its opening. We must be our own before we can be another's. There it is at least this satisfaction in crime according to the Latin proverb, you can speak to your accomplice on even terms. Crimen quos inquinat, aquat. To those who we admire and love at first we cannot, yet the least effect of self-possession vitiates, in my judgment, the entire relation. There can never be deep peace between two spirits, never mutual respect, until in their dialogue each stands for the whole world. What is so great as friendship? Let us carry with what grandeur of spirit we can. Let us be silent, so we may hear the whisper of the gods. Let us not interfere. Who set you to cast about what you should say to the select souls, or how to say anything to such. No matter how ingenious, no matter how grateful and bland, there are innumerable degrees of folly and wisdom, and for you to say aught is to be frivolous. Wait, and thy heart shall speak. Wait until the necessary and everlasting overpowers you, until day and night avail themselves of your lips. The only reward of virtue is virtue. The only way to have a friend is to be one. You shall not come nearer to a man by getting into his house. If unlike, his soul only flees the faster from you, and you shall never catch a true glance of his eye. We see the noble afar off, and they repel us. Why should we intrude? Late, very late, we perceive that no arrangements, no introductions, no consuetudes or habits of society would be of any avail to establish us in such relations with them as we desire, but solely the uprise of nature in us to the same degree is in them. Then shall we meet as water with water." and if we should not meet them then, we shall not want them, for we are already they. In the last analysis, love is only the reflection of a man's own worthiness from other men.
men have sometimes exchanged names with their friends as if they would signify that in their friend each loved his own soul the higher the style we demand of friendship of course the less easy to establish it with flesh and blood we walk alone in the world friends such as we desire are dreams and fables but a sublime hope cheers ever the faithful heart that elsewhere in other regions of the universal power souls are now acting enduring and daring which can love us and which we can love we may congratulate ourselves that the period of non-age of follies of blunders and of shame is past in solitude and when we are finished men we shall grasp heroic hands in heroic hands only be admonished by what you already see not to strike leagues of friendship with cheap persons where no friendship can be our impatience betrays us into rash and foolish alliances which no god attends by persisting in your path though you forfeit the little you gain the great you demonstrate yourself so as to put yourself out of the reach of false relations and you draw to you the first-born of the world those rare pilgrims whereof only one or two wander in nature at once and before whom the vulgar great show as spectres and shadows merely it is foolish to be afraid of making our ties too spiritual as if so we could lose any genuine love whatever correction of our popular views we make from insight nature will be sure to bear us out in and though it seem to rob us of some joy will repay us with a greater let us feel if we will the absolute insulation of man we are sure that we have all in us we go to europe or we pursue persons or we read books in the instinctive faith that these will call it out and reveal us to ourselves beggars all the persons are such as we the europe an old faded garment of dead persons the books their ghosts let us drop this idolatry let us give over this mendicancy let us even bid our dearest friends farewell and defy them saying who are you unhand me i will be dependent no more 
Ah, seest thou not, O brother, that thus we part only to meet again on a higher platform, and only be more each other's because we are more our own? A friend is Janus-faced. He looks to the past and to the future. He is the child of all foregoing hours, the prophet of those to come, and the harbinger of a greater friend. I do then with my friends as I do with my books. I would have them where I can find them, but I seldom use them. We must have society on our own terms, and admit or exclude it on the slightest cause. I cannot afford to speak much with my friend. If he is great, he makes me so great that I cannot descend to converse. In the great days, presentments hover before me in the firmament. I ought, then, to dedicate myself to them. I go in that way I may seize them. I go out that I may seize them. I fear only that I may lose them receding into the sky in which now they are only a patch of brighter light. Then, though I prize my friends, I cannot afford to talk with them and study their visions, lest I lose my own. It would indeed give me a certain household joy to quit this lofty seeking, this spiritual astronomy, or search of stars, and come down to warm sympathies with you, but then I know well I shall mourn always the vanishing of my mighty gods. It is true next week I shall have languid moods when I can well afford to occupy myself with foreign objects. Then I shall regret the lost literature of your mind and wish you were by my side again. But if you come, perhaps you will fill my mind only with new visions, not with yourself, but with your lusters, and I shall not be able any more than now to converse with you. So I will owe to my friends this evanescent intercourse. I will receive from them not what they have, but what they are. They shall give me that which properly they cannot give, but which emanates from them. But they shall not hold me by any relations less subtle and pure. We will meet as though we met not, and part as though we parted not. It has seemed to me lately more possible than I knew to carry a friendship greatly on one side without due correspondence on the other. Why should I cumber myself with regrets 
that the receiver is not capacious. It never troubles the sun that some of its rays fall wide and vain into ungrateful space, and only a small part of the reflecting planet let your greatness educate the crude and cold companion. If he is unequal, he will presently pass away, but thou art enlarged by thy own shining, and no longer a mate for frogs and worms, dust soar and burn with the gods of the Empyrean. It is though a disgrace to love unrequited, but the great will see that true love cannot be unrequited. True love transcends the unworthy object and dwells and broods on the eternal. And when the poor interposed mask crumbles, it is not sad, but feels rid of so much earth and feels its independency the surer. Yet these things may heartily be said without a sort of treachery to the relation. The essence of friendship is entireness, a total magnanimity and trust. It must not surmise or provide for infirmity. It treats its object as a god, that it may deify both. End of Friendship Recording by Robert Scott July the 7th, 2007